Hey everybody, I'm Dan Bingaman. And I'm John Lee. Welcome to a bonus episode of Effective and Efficient. Wait, a, a bonus episode? What makes it a bonus episode? Well, Dan, there's a few reasons why this is a bonus episode. For starters, we've already released an episode this week, and we're planning on releasing this extra, aka bonus one, later in the week. Okay, so an extra episode. Well, that's not so special. There's got to be something else. Is it you know, bonus content, guests, music? What is it? Well, I don't want to keep you and our listeners in suspense any longer. So this episode is extra special because of our special guest, who is... Yeah? Project Kreiner. <laughs> We're happy to finally be able to welcome our associate director, Bridget Kreiner, to the show after many months of begging and, and hoping that she would agree to come on. Uh, Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. This is a very special moment in time, one that may never happen again. So we want to use this opportunity to talk about something very near and dear to everyone's hearts, mm-hmm. budgets. But before that, we, we do want to take a brief moment to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit on, on what makes Bridget tick and let oh listeners know a little bit about you. So, that being said, um, Bridget, before we jump into budgets, tell us a little bit about how long you have been with Arkansas Adult Education and what you did before that. We'll also need to know your full name, uh, your birthday, <laughs> social security number, the name of the street that you grew up on, or maybe the name of your first pet. Mother's maiden name. Something that. like that. Yeah. Favorite movie. Yes. <laughs> Well, um, I have actually been with the department um, for 10 years. I actually had my 10-year anniversary last month. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. I don't think I knew that. We didn't know it when it was her birthday two weeks ago either. She doesn't tell us these things. Folks, she's very sneaky. I I mean, she she can literally walk behind you and not know she's there. She sidles up. She has cat feet. Yeah, my mother says that too. I frighten her. (laughs) <laughs> uh, rather often, yes. but um, but yeah. So I've been here th- that long. I've been in this role now for uh, about five years, four or five years. And um, before that, I was actually in Illinois. I actually worked in Illinois for about thirteen years. In um, I started out in an adult, a local adult education program. Actually worked there for almost three years as a uh, program coordinator. Started out as a, a media coordinator. Um, they liked the fact that I had a degree in computer science with a minor in uh, elementary education, which I'm sure you don't see too often. Um, so they brought me in for that and actually moved into more of operations and budgets, handling the budget for the department and things like that. So I've been doing adult education for a while, but I've also done professional development um, um, things, you know, classes, anything with licensure, teacher licensure, real estate licensure. I actually... Uh, this is a nice little tidbit. I actually had a broker's license in Illinois. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. So the next house that we buy, we can go to. You know, we can come I'm to not you. licensed in the state of Arkansas. Oh, okay, so. well, you, you need to get that. <laughs> I can honestly see you being, you know, doing very well in real estate. Really? I, yes. Re- never sold a house. Really? I can. 
I had a broker's license and never sold. I can Did you see try it, to sell a house and you weren't able to? Or no. Or you just never No, practiced? I just never actually practiced. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, That's I good can to see say. it, though, because you have this. <laughs> yes. I was a lousy <laughs> real estate. Nobody wanted to buy a house from me. <laughs> you just, right. You just have this very I couldn't calming, give them away. You just have this very calming effect. And so I could see you showing a house off mm. and it and just, you know, and just the person being just put into the right mood mm. to mm-hmm. buy to want to buy a house <laughs> and also see. but she's got such a good like poker face too that um you know if there was any structural issues with the house or or things that <laughs> right. um you know you know the, the the potential homeowner wouldn't be able to read you mm. um you know as far as is this a good idea or not right. so i feel like you can yeah just ignore that asbestos is right. from the ceiling <laughs> that crackled <laughs> right. you can spackle over that that doesn't mean the ground is shifting at all and i and and i am also um i also didn't know that you were a computer science major i think that yes. is very interesting and i'm just curious did you did you ever do anything with that or were there plans to do anything with that there were plans actually initially i wanted to be a systems analyst when i started really so um, that's where that uh, minor in elementary ed came. It was actually a switch from a minor in accounting. Okay. Hmm. Um, and then I found out I didn't want to be, <laughs> I didn't want a minor in accounting. <laughs> I don't blame you. And uh, moved over to education, which actually has always been a passion of mine. My mom actually told me uh, before I went to college, she said, you really should go into education. And uh, I was like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I, I think I want to go into computers. I mean, I enjoy them. I enjoy programming. I did a lot of programming and things like that. Logic, I enjoy. <laughs> um, but, um, but then when I got into the adult edu- education program and actually worked in it, actually saw students um, really change their lives, it really changed mine. And uh, so my, I went and got my master's in adult and continuing education. So you can code and hack into things and do all. I that. try to keep that kind of on the DL. yeah. I, I, down low. Yeah, so. I am. <laughs> I am trying to dip my toe into a little bit of coding myself. So I just, I just think that's very interesting that you were in yeah. computer science. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed it, but it was time for a new. I, I found a new passion actually when I got into adult education and and uh, really found. It was a little surprised myself to find out that my father had been an adult education instructor and I never knew it. Oh, wow. <laughs> he just never told you? He never told me. He did that before I was born, oh, actually. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, and so later on to find out that he was in that, I thought, wow, well, that's a cool oh. little It wasn't that like to know. he would just go off to work and <laughs> never tell you what he did. Right. Like a spy or something? Right. No, no. <laughs> <clears throat> that's funny. Before I came along. <laughs> so it's uh I, I do think it's interesting that you mentioned accounting mm. earlier uh because as associate director you see a lot of budgets yes matter of fact every single budget in the state comes across your desk at one point or another so just to talk about the budgets uh because that is our main theme of the episode today so yes. what what would you say are some common mistakes i hate to start with mistakes but what are some common mistakes that you come across or some trends that you've seen, um, you know, as you've over the years mm-hmm. looked at all these budgets? Yeah. Um, honestly, I, I have to say this year, and I've, I've mentioned this to the team, that this year's budgets as they've come to me have really been in probably the best shape I've ever seen. 
um, speaking about it overall. Um, you know, of course, there's always going to be some sort of things that can be corrected. We're all human. So, um, but probably the issues that we see the most do remain consistent, I would say, over the last several years. So um, the biggest one is probably just not providing enough information. Um, I think sometimes, you know, narratives especially are written for us, you know, because we know the programs. Um, we know who they are, what they do. In many cases, especially you guys as program advisors, you are really involved with those programs. And I think those narratives are being written um, with that in mind. But really, those narratives have to provide the justification for why a program needs to spend those funds in this way. And so sometimes it's just a matter of uh, just giving us information, writing it like it's, some, it's going to someone who knows nothing about the program, um, but also will be rating and grading them on whether or not this was really an allowable expense. And that actually is the case if we're audited. So if someone who's auditing us, they won't know anything about the program. And if there's a problem, uh, then it, it could be an issue. That's why we want to make sure there's enough information to really justify anything they spend money on. So there's really that. Um, probably other things would be justification, either not providing justification for something um, that there's, that uh, is being spent um, or the justification not matching the amount. I think this was the first year that I really saw more than one program that had that situation where they're providing a shopping cart and it just doesn't match that. Um, those are probably the biggest things um, that I've seen. But really, one of the things that uh, I did notice this year, we really, the first this is the first um, since our, not this past RFP, but the one before. So the last three, four years, Programs have had to um, talk about how much they're going to spend in ABE per county and have had that 75% um, limit. And programs have done really well with that, actually. Those multi-county programs have done a great job of really falling within that 75%. So I think, I think they've done really well. And I kind of wonder if that if, – if breaking it down. I mean, I, I don't know. I've not actually had to create one of these budgets mm -hmm. myself, mm -hmm. <laughs> thankfully. Right. <laughs> I don't really envy them of that task. Um, but I kind of wonder if, you know, when we give them their ABE award and it does break it, break it down by county, I kind of wonder if that makes it a little bit easier just in terms of, you know, it kind of gives them sort of, um, sort of, uh, something to work within, mm -hmm. I guess. And you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but um, you know, we have a number of new directors this program year. Right, we um, do. And so I, I'm curious, for any that may be listening, what would you say uh, is the most challenging aspect of the of the budgeting process? That, that I would love to know myself. Just kind of, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> what, what is the most challenging part of it? And does that, is that uh, easier because that amount of money is set aside for that county to really keep in mind, you know, making sure that, that county is covered. Yeah. So obviously most programs have their current year, most <laughs> have their current year budgets uh, approved already, but do you have any advice uh, for directors, particularly new directors, um, you know, related to their funds as they progress through the year, maybe looking at having to do amendments or just sort of keeping an eye on, on their money and, and things like that? Well, I would say, um, first of all, if especially a new director who's coming in and there's, they've got a budget where, 
you know, there was a plan for purchasing different materials, certain items, maybe equipment, things like that. Take a look at it and make sure that, especially now that we're, uh, you know, in the midst of the pandemic, I think you have to see, does that plan that may have been put forth by someone else, does it still fit? Um, are there still those needs uh, in place for that program? And if not, then they may need to make some changes, though some changes may require an amendment and some may not. So, um, but if there are equipment needs, purchase that equipment, you know, purchase it, get it in place, have it ready for uh, student and staff use, um, things like that. But um, I think sometimes, especially when you're taking on a budget that someone else has created, you really have to look at it and analyze it in the in the scope of where the program is at that time. Yeah, yeah. And things like uh, if they buy computers, uh, you know, take them out of the box. That'd By be the helpful. time that we come for site visits, Certainly. set them up, use them. That would be the expectation. Don't yes. Hide stuff in broom closets. <laughs> that could, you know. A computer can do nothing in a box. It, it cannot help a student. It cannot help the staff in a box. And as a computer now, science it can, major, you know, those computer boxes are substantial sometimes. I mean, they could be like a nice coffee table. They could. They um, could. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I think about all the things I could do with that. Yeah. <laughs> True. But so, yeah, yeah. Um, we were talking about our new directors, but for some of our more seasoned directors out there, what, what, what do you think are some of the things that are most overlooked or forgotten? Hmm, probably uh, in some cases, travel is sometimes um, overlooked, sometimes uh, substitute teachers and things like that, just in case someone is going to be out having um, situations, uh, having some kind of a plan for that. Um, those probably for me are the biggest things that I see left out in terms of not putting money aside for something. Yeah. And I know, and we were actually just talking about the situation, not half an hour ago, probably I think on the personnel pages also sometimes when they're doing their calculations mm. for you know, for hourly wages, right? That seems to be something that I hear about every budget season. Yes, and it's a minor detail, but <laughs> it is something that always comes up. It is when the salaries are when those hourly wages are not. It's almost like they start with the salary amount, the total, and then they work backwards. Yes, you know, yeah. to try to make it fit. And that's when we have the most, probably the most back and forth in terms of salaries is when uh, when they do start with just an amount. They want to set aside this amount for a salary, but it may not necessarily fit um, for that hourly amount, uh, that hourly wage, and then the number of hours that they need that person to work in a week. So, yeah, that is definitely um, something that we have. Uh, another thing that I've seen is sometimes when a program has to make a change before it's approved with the budget. So something has to move from, um, and we had some issues with this this year, um, something has to move from one line item to another. There were some things that had to go, uh, especially with this new situation with PPE. We had some issues with that, and you know, that was fairly new. But it did cause some programs to have to make changes. And when they do that from one line item to another, then they have to be, um, have to be sure to make sh that they change that on the budget line item page for every budget. And so, so for PPE, that's, I am glad you brought that up because I've actually had a question. Where, where are programs putting that again? That should go in the 04 other mm -hmm. category. 
to make sure that um, so that any of that, those uh, masks or thermometers and things like that should go in O4F. So, and I noticed there were a few programs, not a few, but several programs that didn't have any of that in their budget. So they may find that, you know, as they get into planning for the year, that they may have a need for that. And so when they do their amendment, that's where they would want to put it. So you've <clears throat> obviously we, we talked about how you see every budget across the state, which is mm-hmm. now, what is that? 37 different 37 programs. 37 programs, but you know, that can be up to what five budgets um, for each program. Sometimes so six. sometimes six. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you're looking at, um, you know, hundreds of these yes. and, yeah. uh, over the, just, uh, you know, and really probably um, n- nearly thousands of these. Um, by the time a whole program year has concluded between different iterations of uh, budgets and different categories of budgets and, and things like that. And, and obviously you were, before you were in your current job, you were a, a program advisor yourself. Yes. Um, so you have, um, you know, a, a regional budgeting experience in, in the state as well. So what would you say, or, or are there any um, best practices that you have seen when it comes to um, budgets, you know, things that programs do well um, that, that other others might benefit from from knowing about? Yeah, I would say the programs that tend to um, take budgets in stride, I would say, as opposed to struggling as much, they tend to plan. I I, I noticed in this year um, there were several programs that, I mean, we had a very tight time frame this year with the RFP and with budget cuts and being able to distribute funds, but there were some programs, and it seems to be, for some, it's, it's fairly consistent, and I think it's just programs that they know what their needs are, they think through those needs prior to the money coming out, um, they know what their, they look first at what their staffing needs are going to be, um, filling those needs, thinking through all of that, and then making sure that everything else supports that, you know, supports that staffing need so that um, instruction can take place so that um, PD for their staff can take place so that all of that really falls in line. I think, you know, when they do that, we saw some budgets that came in, I mean, very shortly after we sent out the money. Um, When when you keep in mind the fact that ABE was going to be the same, they knew that that was going to be the same. and those sorts of things. Programs that, and when you know what you're doing, then you can provide all the justification that's necessary. You can tell us how many times a person's going to go to a satellite site and how far that is and so on and so forth. So I think it's just those that really think through what the actual needs are. Um, And it kind of goes back to what we were saying about setting aside an amount as opposed to figuring out what the need is Mm -hmm. and then working that way. Right. Yeah, and, and, and I think it is especially impressive considering the amount of budgets that you see during a program year that you haven't completely snapped. <laughs> I think because, I mean, we get... She's like eerily calm right. all the time. <laughs> On, I mean, we only see our program's budgets. Now, mm-hmm. we, we might see them several times. Or help know, with right? other people's, but, you know. Right. You know, and we, you know, we might see them several times depending on the number of amendments and, right. you know, and whether a program has excess carryover or whatnot. But you, everything that we see, you see yes. times five. Yes. And so it's, it is, um, yeah, it is, it is very impressive once again. Um, that it's a joy. You, <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so is there is there anything before we wrap up with you? Is there anything else regarding budgets or the budget process that you feel like programs it might be helpful for them to know that they might not already know about about our budget process? Well, um, really, I think for us is just you know because of the the different steps that it goes through you know once they once a program submits their budget it goes to the PA then it comes to me then it goes to Dr. Miles and you know everybody puts eyes on that and I think um you know with that if programs keep in mind that different people look at it and sometimes people have different areas of focus that they're looking you know things that they're looking for um you guys know more about the local programs than I do so um, I'm looking at it with a different eye than maybe you all will, and Dr. Miles even more so. So um, I think uh, in terms of the process, I think just keeping that in mind that, um, again, more information. Um, we've got some programs that, that do a great job with that. Some um, provide, over the years have developed that skill of being able to provide more information. Um, so really that's probably my biggest thing. So we mentioned that you stay uh, very calm somehow throughout all mm. this, the, the budget process and, and all the other things that, that come up. But you must just, on a personal level, and need to blow off steam somehow. You know, we, we went axe throwing yes. at, the, at the summer planning meeting. Uh, you know, do, have you been doing that more in your, in your downtime? Is there something that you do to sort of decompress um, when you go home, or do you just go home and scream into a pillow because you're so calm here, or how, how do you how do you deal with it? Well, my uh, decompression probably comes. Um, you know, we all have our our issues. My issue is my, is probably shopping, and mm. probably to keep from shopping, um, another way I decompress is sewing. Sewing. Yeah. Oh, right. I think I've heard you talk about that before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had the time to do it as much as I'd like. I do also watch a lot of, uh, I'm a project kind of person, so I watch a lot of Flea Market Flip. My wife mm. loves that show. Absolutely love that show. <laughs> and watching that show, I believe that I can make anything out of anything. So um, I do have some pieces in my garage that I have not touched <laughs> that <laughs> are projects that are in my head, but um, but I haven't gotten around to actually doing something with. But, uh, you know, I've, I, those are the kinds of things that I like. Mm. That's interesting. I had no mm. idea. If, yeah. if I'd known that you were a seamstress, I mean, what? I am not. We don't, uh, you know. We Aspiring. We could have, she could have made us all like matching t-shirts to wear to things. Um, well, you know. Um, sometimes I need my pants hemmed. See, that's the thing. I, I like creating. That's the whole thing. I like to create. I like to make things. But if I have to fix it, yeah. then I will trash it before I will fix it. Well, I don't know if we have talked about this before, but we, in the past, during Christmas, we have worn... Christmas sweaters, mm. and and I still just have the one Christmas sweater with it's the pug with the yes. with the Santa hat, and I'm quite fond of it. However, if you have those skills, maybe I can put in a request for another Christmas sweater. I don't actually knit or anything like that. <laughs> maybe you could find a sweater, and she could sew something onto it to make it uglier. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now that yes, I could be. find a kind of like a just a blank mm. yeah. sweater. And yeah, yeah, I've like seen that these years. People just to to win ugly sweater contests, just add stuff to it. And there you go to make it ugly. Okay, done. It's an idea. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah.
A plan indeed. Bridget, we appreciate you coming on the show and well, thank um, you guys. making your podcast debut. Yes. Yeah. We hope to have you on in the future. Yes, hopefully. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you, Bridget. Thanks. Thanks again to Bridget for dropping by and demystifying budgets and herself in the process. Her secret computer hacking life is secret no more. And she sews. Total package. Yeah, but she doesn't knit. Definitely not. As Bridget is famous for saying, only losers knit. And we didn't mention it during the interview, but Bridget is also known for her lightning-fast umbrella reflexes at the slightest hint of moisture in the air. But on a serious note, we hope this bonus episode was enlightening and helpful for those who continue to struggle with their budgets or those who just needed a refresher. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. We not only enjoy them ourselves, but they help other potential listeners find the show. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more Effective and Efficient. 